Hello, hello. Thank you all for being here today. Thank you, thank you. Um, so um, my name is Kazra Khalili. Um, I'm the, here, the chapter director at Startup Grind. Um, I run a startup called Mentor here in town. Um, own a restaurant in Dino Springs, uh, along with some other stuff that I feel like, you know, any entrepreneur overdoes what they have the capacity to do. Um, so we started uh, Startup Grind. If you're, if you're new here, we started this pre-pandemic, about three months before. Um, really, we had three amazing events. We got super excited. Um, I ordered like 70 shirts, and now I wear Startup Grind shirts every single day of the week, okay? Because we shut down right after that. Um, I can't tell you how excited I am to be back here um, doing in-person events. I think this is really the, the space where we get to meet each other and connect. And, and not just, hey, you know, let's just swap some business cards, but also, hey, I'll see you next week. Hey, grab coffee with someone here, you know? Because the goal is that when you come here next time, uh, there are silos in here right now I can already see. The hope is next time those are a little more broken, a little more broken, a little more broken. But you have to come back to do that. You have to call up that person and say, hey, I'll see you for coffee next week or the week after, okay? Um, we're all, we all have that little bit of time, so hope we, hopefully we're able to give it to each other a little more. Um, so if, if you, again, some of the things that we do here, look, we're going to meet every single month. We like to bring in amazing founders. Um, obviously, today we have Raina Vallo and Shereen Dawood with us. We had the opportunity to have them virtually uh, last November. If you were on any of those virtual events, or if you even t heard me talk about it, I hated it. I mean, it was, you know, it's a, you just don't get to get the, the feeling, you know, and you don't get to, you just don't get to hear from the founders in, 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 in person. It's, it's, it's just different. Um, I'll, I'll say this. So right before we get started, we'll spend, you know, some, you know, 30, 45 minutes having this fire set. We'll have a Q&A right after. So please, if you have questions, keep those in mind. We want y'all to engage with, with these founders. They're here uh, giving their so valuable time. Um, and of course, you know, enjoy here. Uncle Earl's giving us the opportunity to be here with y'all tonight. So, you know, grab a drink, grab a cracker, you know, whatever you need. <laughs> Don't worry about getting up. If you need to get up, move around, go ahead. Um, again, this is going to be very laid back. So without further ado, uh, welcome Raina, welcome Shireen. Thank you. And That's we'll go ahead and get started, okay? Yay. All right. Um, so how about I give you all each the opportunity Introduce yourselves, and cool. so Raina. Yeah. A little background. It's me. Well, thanks for having us again. Of course. I'm very glad we're in person this time and not behind our laptop, which is exciting. Um, but I'm Raina. I am one of the co-founders of Power Pump Girls. Um, I'm originally from Lafayette, Louisiana. Moved to Baton Rouge in 2011 to go to LSU as a kinesiology major. Yeah. Um, couple iterations of entrepreneurship later with Shireen. Power Pump Girls was founded in 2017. Um, but in 2018 is when we really found our niche and like started getting our traction in the community and kind of establishing what we wanted to do. Um, I don't know how much you want me to get into that, but I can just also you like. spiel. copy and paste that. So I'm Shereen Dowd. <laughs> I am originally from Shreveport, Louisiana, a serial entrepreneur. This is my serial entrepreneurial partner. Um, we have made many successes and many failures together. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and Power Pump Girls is our baby and something that we are very, very passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I got introduced to y'all through Stephen Lloyd. And then Stephen Lloyd, raise, raise your hand. I saw him. There yeah. he is. There he is. <laughs> um, if you don't know Stephen, um, there's a local incubator in town called Louisiana Technology Park. 
they bring together, um, they're an incubator for startups. Uh, they'll work with you, whether, you know, whether you're just an idea or you have a group of people that are, you know, already working something yeah. or you have revenue, they're here to work with you. Um, so they introduced us. Um, yeah. And one of the things that really interested me about what y'all were doing was power pump girls. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but damn, that kind of sounds cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so would you mind explaining to the crowd here what, what is Power Pump Girls? Yeah. But but before maybe what ins and then what inspired it to yeah. you know be What's built. The end of that yeah. question do you want? Um, well, let's first start with the idea that we had no idea what Power Pump Girls was when we started it, and really for like the first year of it being a thing, um, we really wanted it to grow organically and become what it was without any like barriers to entry. Um, so to start, Rain and I are event planners by background, and we decided to throw a brunch for a bunch of women in our city. <laughs> um, and at that brunch, there were some calls on our life, and we were there to answer them. And I don't know if you want to go into detail. Um, yeah, so we knew we were good at intentional gatherings and like bringing people together from our event side. But there was always something within us that was really driven by service and community, giving back. And we're like, what is that thing? And so... Again, we started with events and just bringing women together. We're like, something's going to come of this eventually. Um, and it was uh, several women within our Power Pump Girls membership that were like, you know, we want to do something for the community. How can we give back? And we're like, yeah, that. That's what we're trying to figure out. And through this moment we had together on a trip, we came to realize that there was an issue with period poverty, um, which is someone's inability to purchase period care products or menstrual products. And it was starting to become a trend, I would say, in other states, uh, specifically New York. They had started passing the pink tax, um, which eliminated sales tax on these items. So we were like, this is something we need to research. So in 2018 is when we started researching the issue. And we're like, OK, we could really mobilize this membership to address this issue. And that's when we were like, we found our thing. We're a service organization. We empower women to connect with these events, with this social media, with you know all these virtual means of communicating and connecting. And then serve is our other mission. And so we founded Secured, which is our main initiative now, where we address period poverty, inequity, um, provide education resources around menstruation and period poverty. Does that answer? That, yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, <laughs> so what, what year was this when y'all started 20, this? 2018. Yeah. 2018. We had like and an aha y'all have some, some new, well, so, I mean, we have to jump forward a little bit. Okay. Around period, period poverty, um, y'all made some breakthroughs recently. Yeah. Yes. Y'all willing to Let's share that? Sure. Um, so first of all, the idea was happening in bigger cities, but yeah. not in a city like ours. Um, so it's a very progressive idea to be asking the state to remove taxes on this, this item or this product where a lot of men are in legislation passing these laws and these yeah. bills. They really don't give a damn about removing those taxes. And That's so, revenue for the state. That's yeah. money for you know, infrastructure. And, and so that was like a hurdle in itself, but we were able to meet with some women who were really ready to take it on. And so along with Junior League, Power Pump Girls, and a few other organizations around town, we were able to represent the bill. And as in of, 2020, so yeah. in 2020 is when it was first brought to the floor. Um, Representative Amy Freeman from New Orleans is who introduced it and wrote it. Um, and it was under COVID relief. So a lot of bills were being passed to help families and individuals during that time. But then when this year came back around, we're like, look, this actually helped out a lot of people. This is something other states are doing into perpetuity. We need to adopt it as well. So again, that same group of people, organizations, those legislators got it passed for the state. And now period products and diapers are tax-free in the state of Louisiana, which Congratulations. is amazing. Congratulations. Well Yay! done. Well done. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to jump forward was because those are the kind of awesome stories, whether 
whether it's, you know, whatever the initiative may be, um, 2018, y'all take some, you know, some ladies out to brunch and then <laughs> two, yeah, you know, you just go out to brunch, you know, That's just, it. just, just going to brunch. And then a few years later, um, y'all take what y'all found to be the biggest problem and see true change come about it. Yeah. So ama- I mean, amazing. So I know I jumped forward a little bit, yeah. but going, so from that brunch, um, one of the things that I want to talk about is, you know, the communities that are built. Um, and if, if you're, you know, if you think about communities today, communities are Star Grind. Yeah. Communities are the tech park, yep. uh, are the alumni, uh, you know, an alumni association. Mm-hmm. Communities are a Slack channel. There's so many different ways <laughs> to build one, line. to start one. And there's a lot of avenues, uh, that you can access it as well. So for y- for y'all specifically, um, what was that first step to, Mm. you know, getting the community going. Now, you know, on Powerpump Girls, I know y'all maybe do events, I do some different yeah. things, but would y'all mind kind of getting into, you know, um, what, when y'all said, okay, what should we do next yeah. to get this thing going? So first of all, we didn't, the real community that we were banking on coming to our first brunch were just our friends. And I think we had <laughs> counted like seven to 10 women. Yeah. And at our first brunch, 50 women showed up. And so a friend told a friend, told a friend, told a friend. And when all of them showed up, we decided to capitalize on that moment and say that we were this organization that had members. And we did it. <laughs> and we did it, but we were building it out. And so we're all powerful girls now. <laughs> and that's just kind of what it was. In that moment, we determined that this was our community. And if you knew other women that were like you, this yeah, yeah. is their community as well. Um, and so once we did that, we're always big on data. So we captured everybody's email. We never wanted to lose contact and yeah, connection yeah. with the people that we had we had met. Um, and so after that, we just started flooding their inboxes with, hey, what do you want to see next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you're at an event, how much would you pay to be a part of this community? What type of give back services are you interested in? How yeah. do you give? Do you give in time? Do you give in money? Do you give in, in kind with your work? Um, because we wanted to make sure that we were providing opportunities for people to give at every level. Yeah, we wanted to make service atta- service and philanthropy attainable and cool in a way that was kind of unconventional. We were like, you know, a lot of traditional organizations that are charitable or whatever, it's a little stuffy or there's a barrier to entry, whether that be a fee or, you know, you have to pay for this dinner that's $500 a plate and then they're still asking you to give once you're there. So we're like, you know, there's other ways we can create yeah. impact and it doesn't require all of that. Like we're yeah. speaking to our millennial women here, like our everyday working woman. And so... We tried to make sure that in addressing that community, we made it accessible and fun and cool. Um, so the events was a community. We had a newsletter community. We had an Instagram community. Um, I don't even remember when we started merch, but that became a community of its own, which yes. opened the doors for men, right? Yes. It opened the doors for other people that maybe didn't identify as a power pump girl, but they rocked with what we were putting out there. Um, so the merch community, um, I'm missing something else. And then in the most recent is our podcast community. So like we've kind of iterated over time. It all kind of is encompassed in Powerpump Girls, but there's lots of ways to build community. I love that. Um, yeah. I am part of that merch community. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's it's the out of office hat. Um, Scott, my co-founder, there he is, look in the corner. Hey, um, I wear it all the time, and he's like, "No, you're like technically in the office." I'm like, <laughs> "But I'm not though." You know, <laughs> I'm part of the Powerpump Girls community. Okay, guys, come yeah. on. Yeah. Um, no, no, I love that. And like, as you can see, there's so many different ways. So, um, and y'all have really started tackling each one. Yeah. When um when did y'all start seeing a need to actually expand? Like like because it's easy to think, hey, I can start everything. Mm-hmm. And for anyone here, whether they're thinking about joining, but also if people here want to are thinking about starting their own community, 
how long was really the how long was the transition from having some events to newsletter to podcast, you know, and so on and so forth. And was there any thoughts to why, mm-hmm. you know, hey, th- we're ready. We're ready to move on to the next medium. A part of that was also forced on us. One of the people that showed up at it. our brunch <laughs> um, it was wrote wrote for the Reveille. Yep. And then another person that bought a ticket worked for either 225 or The Advocate. I can't remember. And that was at a time we were still wanting to just like kind of do it slowly and really like connect and talk and address needs. Um, but once they put that out there, it became like this whole different ball game. It made us official official. Yeah, I'm actually thinking back. It was the 225. We were 2018 people to watch. And at the time, we there was like, nothing to watch. watch there was nothing to watch. <laughs> we were figuring and it out. Like, so what do we do? Because they're watching. And so it was like this pressure was applied throughout the years, but also is that Q&A to the community. We are literally always in constant communication on Instagram stories, newsletter, in person. What do you want? What do you want to see? And the answers were, we want merch. We want more events. We want this. And so it was always just a response to, okay. And it took a while. Like this wasn't like an overnight community that we built. I mean, the first 50 was, was pretty decent. Like it took however long it took us to plan the event. But after that, I mean, we were seeing slow slow builds over time. And it really, it came because when we were asking those questions about what do you want to see, then we pocketed it. So if you want to see newsletters, all right, cool. So this month for the next quarter, we're going to focus on newsletters. Somebody else said they wanted opportunities to serve. So So they did a little testing? Yeah. So we started to build those things out as as our bandwidth and our brains could understand what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, Testing, uh, it, I feel like it's something we don't do enough as entrepreneurs or, or yeah. early, especially early stages is realizing that, hey, you don't need the whole thing first. Yeah. You yes. can put something out there just for a little bit, you know, see if people like it and then and then continue or not. Yeah, right. um, so while you were testing, what were some ways, so y'all used, you know, your newsletter or, or you know, this that you're very open, you have Q&A, you know, yeah, asking yeah. people. Um, how did you, how did you know, hey, here's the thing to continue forward with? Um, you know, like, like I will, let me say this, what didn't work? Let's go that route first yeah. and then we'll come back. So I will say we did, a, we tried a traditional membership model that did not work. It failed gotcha. terribly. Failed terribly. Uh, because membership by like paid or paid, yeah, okay. monthly, annually, like you pay dues. It's going to support our service projects, support these events we're putting on. You get special perks. Didn't really work. It was too mm. traditional. And we're yeah. like, we aren't fitting into this mold for a reason. What worked was merch. Every quarter, every couple months, we were dropping new merch and new slogans, cute designs. We just like wearing cute stuff. Yeah. And people really rocked with that. So we're like, okay, let's keep this going because one, it brings in revenue for our organization. Two, it builds community. It's yeah. great marketing. So those things worked. Membership model, not so much. Um, what were some other things that didn't work? So one thing that we tried, we tried to build too fast. Let's start there. Yeah. So our first event was a brunch. And that was 50. We were like, oh, oh well, yeah. the next one we'll do 300 people. I know where you're going. <laughs> and so, I know where you're going. And, and it's, it's because right. by trade, we're event coordinators. Still. And we logistically, we know how to make it happen. We know how to get it moving. And so, I mean, y'all, we wrote sponsorship letters. We received sponsors. We got billboards, radio spots, um, speakers from all across the country. And it was highlighting unconventional women doing very traditional jobs, but in an unconventional way. And it was dope. It was sick. We had on paper. On paper. And then 30 days leading up to the event, um, our venue pulled out. They did not reach code, and it was wedding season. So we're struggling trying to find a venue for two days to house 300 people 
And it for did, this conference, we built in our minds and on paper. Yeah, and it did not happen. And then the articles started coming out and interviews started going, two strikes, you're not out. And Because it's called Strike. Our event was called Strike. So they started playing on the name of the event. They were like, two strikes doesn't mean you're out. And in our minds, we're like, wow, why did that have to be the headline? <laughs> like, yeah. it was They're like, watching <laughs> the people to watch. <laughs> yeah, so that didn't work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scaling too, trying to scale too quickly. Too quickly was not our um, thing. Not our thing. No. Yeah. yeah. I, I hear that. I mean, look, like, so I'm, you know, what I was saying earlier about the t-shirts, yeah. very real. You know, my very first event we had Sharp Grind, I like, I strong armed some of my friends. I, you know, I was like, hey, no, no, you bring two friends. Like, you bring two friends. Yeah. And like, you know, we sold out event after event. And after the third one, I was like, you know what? Going big. You know, we got, I got the, I got the, the, the t-shirts. I got the hats. Come on. A little mini COVID conference. hit, you know, <laughs> but, but, but I, you know, but looking back very much, I was in that mindset. I was definitely thinking, too far ahead. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was thinking it would be way bigger than it was. Um, who knows? But yeah. I was thinking way too ahead. And now I wear the same t-shirt every day. You know? <laughs> and, and Amanda, my fiance, knows it. I wear Steve Jobs of you, though. You know? <laughs> Straight up. Um, but it's very hard. It's, it's hard to, to, to fight back with that. So um, what do y'all do? What do you think y'all, you know, you know kind of keeps y'all in focus? Like, you know, hey, look, hey, here are the goals. Because opportunities come left and right. You know, yeah. I said in the intro speech that it's so easy to for someone to come up and be like, have a cool idea. You want to work on it? I'd be like, hell yeah, I want to work yeah, on yeah. it. Why not? I got I got an extra 30 minutes a week. Let's do it. Like, <laughs> you do? Let's make a million dollars. No, 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 I don't. I don't. I don't. Those are my nap times. That's it. You know, I'm not doing anything else. Um, I would say the service and the impact. Like for us, especially with Secured, seeing one that the pink tax got passed. When we look at our data and how many period care products, which is like, we're nerdy about that kind of thing. And we openly talk about period. menstruation and periods and products any day. Yeah. But like when we're looking at how many tampons we got and like how many people we've affected for the better, how many organizations we've been able to partner with, like that fuels us. And we're like, okay, there are so many more people, which is why we're in the phase we're in now with our current campaign. But that is what drives us. And then seeing the excitement of the membership to be a part of that is like, that never runs out. And so And even when we find ourselves like growing weary or tired, mm -hmm. like even after we made that failure with the conference, um, we got so many emails and letters and text messages of encouragement yeah. telling us, you know, like it's okay to fail publicly. It's okay, like here's what you can do next time, or let me know how I can help or how I can be a part. And yeah. so the women that we were empowering in turn as our community empowered us. And so a lot of times as we're building and growing, when Raina and I are getting tired, there are women literally who are in this audience who are part of our PPG circle and they're like, no, like this is important work. You have to get it done. Yeah. And so that also keeps things in perspective and also keep us focused because we're juggling a million things <laughs> in life at all yeah. times, like everybody is. But you know, when the the charitable or the good work comes, you it's easy to put it off to the side because it's it's land yap. And for us it's not. For us yeah, it's like it's our lifestyle. purpose and it's our lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Um y'all mentioned a campaign. Yeah. Yeah. So y'all mind sharing a little more about that? Yeah, sure. What is going on? Um, so last year, I think when we met with you for Startup Grind last year, we were talking about our first crowdfunding campaign. Yes. Um, and that was just to sustain us through, we started it last summer. That was just to keep our organization up and running because previously a lot of our revenue came in through events. And because that was no longer a thing, virtual events were no fun. Um, yeah. We were like, we have to figure out a way to make sure the impact is still happening. So we did a crowdfunding campaign last year that was very successful. Um, this year, because of the pink tax success, because of everything that's happening with Secured, we are wanting to start Louisiana's first 
the first Louisiana-based period bank, so similar to a food bank or a diaper bank, a space where we're housing tons and tons of period care products where people and organizations can come and get them for free. Yeah. Um, so we're in the midst of that campaign, yes. which is called Social Good. Yeah. Okay, so... Yay! Y'all, yeah. okay, you, you know, you really grazed over the fact Sorry. that you had a successful campaign last, hey. uh, yes. last right. fall. Yeah. Oh, you know, we just like knocked that out of yeah. the park. Well, um, so tell us a little bit. So if anybody doesn't know about crowdfunding, okay. what is crowdfunding? Haha, it's like this. It's a crowd of people yeah. helping us fundraise. Um, now, with that, we say we killed it and knocked it out of the park, but there were a lot of learning lessons. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of which, the platform that we use is called iFundWomen. It's a platform for women, built by women. And so it's, it's literally... It's a community. If Power From Girls was a fundraising yes, platform. Yes, it's this thing. I and so women. there are tons of brilliant women across the country and they upload their ideas. It's very similar to like a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo. GoFundMe. Um, or GoFundMe. And so we did it and Rain and I are like, we're going to raise $100,000 because that's what we can do. And yes. then we spoke with someone. They're very hands-on. If anyone is considering crowdfunding, iFundWomen is a very hands-on platform. Um, but they reached out to us and they were like, okay, we're looking at how you built out the spreadsheet, but it's looking like your number is going to be around like 50, right. not a hundred. And we're like, all right, cool, okay. cool. And so we that's did. What, that's we, what you think. Right. right. And then it ended up they being around on. 60. <laughs> yeah. It ended up being around like 60,000, but it was, it was eye opening too, because yeah. again, as founders, we dream big. I can do a 300 person event on year one, Yeah, yeah. you know, right. or I can raise a hundred thousand with my first capital campaign. And a lot of people can but with what we were doing and how small, because we wanted anyone to be able to get in right. and do some good work with us. Um, and so, I mean, we nickeled and dimed our way all the way up to 60K, but we got 60K and we were able to impact our community. Um, and so you were asking like, what is crowdfunding? It's literally phoning a friend and saying, hey, this is my project. This is why it's important. And here's how you can be a part of it. Right. And you literally do that with everybody in your Instagram, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, your, your cell phone, shop, the glass station, shop, everything. Yes. Everyone. We literally were like, anybody that would listen, will you give us something? Yeah. You know? And it's different than traditional fundraising, I would say, because no one gets equity or a part of your company. There's really no trade off other than like you're helping oh, this the, idea. There's no equity in this one. Correct. And, and, no. Okay, got it. Not, got it. Yes. Yeah, not for Got us. it. And then, yeah. and then now, what about now? Is this one equity based no. or is this purely funded? It's purely funded. Fundraise. Well, and also because we're a 501c3. Yes. Oh, okay, okay. Fair so enough. So you, you can't, we don't own it. It's right. ours. We're the founders of it. Right. But technically, yeah. we don't own it. Yeah. yeah. It's community-driven for the community. So taking, taking for what, okay, so you raised, your goal was 100. Um, before we even come into what's happening now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Goal was 100. Raise 60. I'd still say, hey. That's a Y'all did great. That's a win. As entrepreneurs, hey, you're, again, yeah. you're, you're, you're shooting for the moon. But yeah. like, hey, you know, if like. I like, you know, I jump on that little rock, you know, in between. Like, I'm yeah, cool. I'm I'll cool. ride the movie. I'm fine yeah, with that. Yeah, cool. right. so, so, so what did y'all learn from that one that you think, you know, um, you're, we're taking this one might change a little bit? Setting realistic expectations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And, and what is the goal? 30,000. Yes. 30,000. 30, and this is for the period uh, bank. Right. Correct. Got it. Okay. And it's really just the start because that's going to take ongoing funding, right? But this is like to get it geared up. Um, we always had products in stock, kind of. It was always like in and out. And now we're like stockpiling. Um, but 30,000, that was one of the lessons was like set realistic expectations. Um, one thing that we learned, but we did really great at was communicating throughout the campaign last time. We made sure all of our donors were up to date. Again, that we were talking to any and everyone about this, whether or not they could give, just letting them know about our organization and our initiatives, the impact they were doing. Um, something that was really cool that happened with our first one, it, because we were so 
so communicative with everybody every single time. We had a viral moment in the oh, middle yeah. of the pandemic and companies like Wayfair and Bumble and Zoe Deschanel. Zoe Deschanel. I don't oh. know if y'all know who that is, but we kind of freaked out about that a little bit. <laughs> but like they started like reaching out to us and following us on Instagram and keeping up Reposting with us. Reposting our content. And so those are like, those were moments for us where we were like, wow, all this little work that we're doing in this pocket in Baton Rouge, Louisiana is being acknowledged and recognized by people across the country that are bigger than us and as a founder of something you always feel like what you have is much bigger yeah um and people just haven't caught up to what it is that you see yet gotcha. and so that was one of those moments like wow people are starting to see the work that we're doing yeah yeah well and so so when you when you have those because i feel like so many of us will we're, we're thinking about starting something mm-hmm. maybe people are doing something okay there's a lot of little work that goes into <laughs> it like this day in day out you know whether you're talking to customers or just behind the computer all day yeah um when you have Zoe Deschanel, Wayfair, Bumble reaching out, um, what do you just do? You just say that inspiration, or is there anything that you're like, okay, double down on this? Oh yeah. So so you know, in in that moment, was there any is there any moments that you guys felt like, okay, now is the time to really highlight this part of my business, or this part of the campaign, or this part of the initiative? I know, like, one of the things we did immediately was ask for everyone's mailing address. Yes. <laughs> we're, we're like, big we're on sending, sending you something. cards. Like, we are very big on sending friends, family, customers, clients, but, like, thank you cards. Very custom. And yeah. we wanted to make sure that everyone, whether they did something for us or not, even if they just reposted something and shared it with their platform for a million people to see was super impactful for us. Yeah. Because if you think about it, the with the algorithm or the equation that iPhone Women came up with, we were only supposed to raise 30. But because these platforms were sharing to their networks, we were able to tap into an extra 30 grand. Right. And so to us, that, that meant a lot. And so going that extra mile, we doubled down. We're like, hey, Zoe, uh, Oh, sorry, Mike. Sorry. Um, <laughs> so we like double down. We're like, hey, can we send you our merch? Can we send you a little bit of information about what it is that we do and how we do it? And yeah. so, yeah, those those are a okay. few moments. And then I think for us, even from the onset, I know we say a lot that we didn't know what we wanted Powerpump Girls to be. We didn't know all the logistics and the formality. But one thing I think we were always really clear on is like what we stood for. And I think that's really important as a founder, as an individual, as someone who's a contributing member to society. We knew service was big for us. We knew um, education was big, empowerment. Like we just love being around women, empowering women. And so those things never changed for us. And we've just gotten stronger and stronger with it. And so when we have viral moments like that, it's because that content is rooted in those values. That content is rooted in what we establish is like, we're not wavering from this, how we present it and how it comes into life and people share it and experience it might change. But those values have been there since the beginning. So that is something we're like, that's, yeah. It's so, it. That's Powerpump Girls. So our our talk in November was a lot about, or October was a yeah. lot about being mission driven. Mm-hmm. And you guys, you, you y'all have stuck to that very strongly. Yeah. Yeah. I came in here. We we talk, we're talking about being professional. <laughs> and Shireen's first comment, she was like, "Well, who who really says what's professional?" Okay, right. first and foremost, we create that culture. I love that. So. Um, I took two shots of what? tequila. <laughs> Which is, that's, I, I was, that was the professional moment. Complete joke. I'm like, I'm like, excuse me. I said, excuse me, we're about to do an interview here. Okay. What are y'all doing? She's like, um, we had uh, a long day. We had a long day. I'm like, okay, okay good. Um, so what y'all have done really well, and I have to applaud y'all for, is that continually, month after month, and, and in the last two years that I've you know known y'all, y'all have stuck with that mission. Yeah. And y'all have not wavered. Um, has there been times where y'all felt y'all have 
veered off course? And if so, do you, do you hmm. it, is there a moment where you guys talk to each other and say, I, I, I don't know, I don't know if this is it. I don't know if like who we partnered with was right or, oh. or, or, or how we've made this decision was right. And is there a conversation that happens? Um, do you have any, maybe a story around, you know, getting realigned, whether it's meetings y'all have or, or what have you, to get missions aligned? Yeah, I mean, we've had, I'm thinking of a lot of Me different too. examples, but we've had people that weren't mission aligned that have been a part of our journey, um, event types or even service opportunities. that we, There was one point we were trying to do too much as far as like service. So we were like um, trying to tackle race relations and education inequity and period inequity and like all these things. And we're like, all right, this is a lot. Oh. Although it all falls in the umbrella of service and empowerment, like we're not honed in enough. So that was like an iteration. Again, people, um, even merch. Like we've had merch that flopped that were like, nah, maybe it was not really yeah. right. in our... So I have a lot of examples. I can't really think of one. Yeah, but like no, I, I'll say, because I think, well, just from the outside looking in, y'all's, y'all's, y'all's brand has really stood up to the things that y'all want to do. And every time I talk to y'all, it feels like it's happening. But I know for sure, you know, behind the scenes, it can't be... It can't Christine? be that easy. No. no, no, no. It can't be easy. No, no, no it can't no. be easy. Um, There's some wrinkles in there. For sure, for yeah. sure. Um, so, in regards to finding alignment around, you know, your mission, everything. How did y'all come across iFund Women specifically? Mm. Because it it seems very, perfect. you know, perfect for what y'all are doing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it had to be on Instagram. I think it was yeah. Instagram. And the, the algorithm, it found us. Okay, it, it found you. Okay. <laughs> it so, did. So next question, for anyone here thinking about crowdfunding, mm -hmm. thinking about you know using it as a tool to fund their business, nonprofit or, or for-profit, um, what what made that the tool for y'all? Like, why did we choose that Yeah, one? why did y'all choose that? You know, because there's obviously fundraising efforts that you can yeah. do for mm -hmm. investors or, or other organizations. That was an easy answer for yeah. us. Yeah. And it was because iFundWomen was mission aligned. Okay. They... They believe in empowering women and creating equitable opportunities for women to get money for their projects and their companies. Um, and so when we stumbled across it, their their owner, their founder is a woman. They have a very diverse team. It's everything that Raina and I believe in packaged into this, this crowdfunding platform. And when we looked at them versus the Indiegogo or the crowdfund or the GoFundMe, it just felt so right. Mm -hmm. They understood from the very beginning what our barriers were going to be. They told us straight up, women get less than 3% of venture capital. Black women, it's 1%. And when we saw that number, we were like, wow, we are up against a whole lot of bull crap. 99%. 99% of people who are getting this funding and we're the 1% that's out there searching for what's left. And so they understood that and they were positioning us each and every step of the way how we can get this funding. And unlike a lot of other platforms, they literally give you the playbook. Like yeah. They're like, this is how you set yourself up to be successful. And a lot like ourselves as founders, they are attainable. We had two conversations with the founder of this company who literally listened to what we had to say, gave us tools and was like, go and be successful. Like they were accessible and, and that was yeah. huge for us. And like, not to mention that outside of our crowdfunding, the founder like they sent out like this application, this link. And I remember doing it in the height of the pandemic. Yep. And I had to send in like a video recording, sent it out, didn't think twice about it. The founder called Raina and I personally and were like, I mean, y'all are a nonprofit. You're one of the people that don't really fit into this mold, but we wanted to give you the opportunity. And they connected us with American Express and acknowledged our company as 100 black women doing the work in the community. And they provided us with $25,000 extra dollars 
and with 100 Day of Resources to help us gain business and acumen. another community of 99 other business owners that awesome. we now are connected to. Yeah. And it was really because, like, as a founder and as a woman, she knew what we were up against. And she's like, these girls are doing the work, you know. And they're yeah. accessible. It's easy. Yeah. It's not it easy. wasn't really it's a question. Easy, but... We were just like, this is yeah, our this platform. Is it. The yeah. decision was easy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So now, coming back to here now. This okay. is the goal. Yeah. What is your fundraising target? 30,000. 30,000. Yes. And are you live now? Yes. 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 Okay. We live. <laughs> so how do we? How does how does everyone here access and learn a little more about uh, the current campaign? So the easiest thing to do is just go to our Instagram page <laughs> and click the link in our bio. Um, but there are a lot of different ways that you can get involved and to help us. Um, one is the Instagram link. Another one is to actually purchase merch from our website. All of the proceeds go back into our programming. So you kind of get a little bit of like do good and something that kind of incorporates you into our community. Um, there will be a day and a time where we need help doing distribution and packaging of products. Yeah. Um, our goal is to be in 15 distribution centers across five cities. And okay. so that takes work. If you know someone in the market that's in um, Lake Charles, Lafayette, New Orleans, or Shreveport, then we are looking for people who are willing to house some products where, where anyone from the shelters, the us. prisons, or girls who are missing school can have access to. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So um, with all, all this nonprofit work, y'all are very unique. And a lot of the guests that I have, I you're the only nonprofit uh, organization that's ever been on. Okay. Yay. How do you... <laughs> Sustain. How do you make a living? How do you know? Because um, there's a lot of people. <laughs> it's the Lord's work. <laughs> the Lord's work. Yeah. How do you? Okay. No, no. It's it's not easy. Um. But no, I'm curious though because so many people, whether it's a it's a for profit company that doesn't make revenue, or we're thinking about something, um, or or people want to get into nonprofit. Yeah. How are you utilizing the rest of your skills? Because clearly y'all are in, in a better organization, mm -hmm. a little bit of marketing. Um, can I explain a little bit about, you know, how, how y'all try to sustain yourselves outside As, of the nonprofit? Outside of it? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a digital marketing agency. Mm -hmm. And so that we took on Powerpump Girls as a client because <laughs> obviously we have to do the marketing for Powerpump Girls. Of course. Um, but that has really been able to sustain us. Um, we're really gifted in branding. We're really gifted <laughs> in storytelling. And we're really good with like positioning companies and how they want to look, feel and sound in the world. In the same way we did with Powerpump Girls. In the same way that yeah. we did with Powerpump Girls. Um, and so to be honest, so Powerpump Girls we started in 2018. Mm -hmm. We didn't get our first check from Powerpump Girls as as executive directors until 2020. Yep. Literally. And so that was a really huge moment for us because we really never wanted to take any money from the organization. We really wanted to be fueled by the work. Um, yeah. And I know that sounds really crazy, but yeah, well, we're serial entrepreneurs. So yes. one of our other taglines for our, our T-shirts is only hang with hustlers. We are going to figure it out one way or the other. Yeah. And for us, Powerpump Girls sustaining as an organization was a priority before we got a check. Yep. And so that took three, four, or my math. Three years. Three years before we were able to two. pay ourselves. And even that was our board member saying, you two need to be compensated. You've been doing this work for free. And it still was like, we that doesn't feel it. right. Yeah. Like it's an organization, it's a nonprofit. So. Yeah. We have our own businesses on the side. We're hustlers. We're going to figure it out to make sure we're okay. But more importantly, that the work is still being done in the community. And sustaining so. is like, for us, so fundraising is not easy work. Right. Um, for one, you have to be really comfortable with asking people for money. 
that is the, sometimes it makes you literally cringe, but you have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is one of those things that like we had to get comfortable with and get comfortable quickly because Powerpump Girls actually was not a 501c3 to start. We were a for-profit. We converted into a nonprofit. Right. And immediately we're like, oh shit, we gotta write grants. <laughs> Didn't know how to write a grant. Still to this day are having difficulties with grant writing. Um, but we had to get really creative on how we were gonna sustain yeah. it. And that came through merch. We were like, okay, let's, let's come up with a t-shirt. Somebody will buy it. Yeah. And then we did. Events. And then now it's a whole thing that like brings substantial income to the yes. nonprofit. And then it's now, thank God, we can do events again. Um, but we just started finding different ways, whatever interests people. You said you like events? Here, pay to come. You said you want merch? Here, buy this. And we just started creating pockets of ways to like really build it. I love that. I love yeah. That. Um, hey, our main sponsor here at Starbucks is Mentor. Yeah. Our own Mentor. Like, yeah. You know, so so the, you, you have to, you have to connect the things yeah. that you do. Yep. I like that. Um, and, I, and especially because this is, y'all have that that community to support it as well. Mm -hmm. And one thing I love that you said is like, you have to get comfortable with people asking people for money. Yeah. Um, so in that in that step to go in and start asking for money, um, how do you go about it? Like, like because, it, you, no, no, because it, what is it? You just no. send out an email and say, hey, please, please give me money. You know, and then- Yes. We tried that. Well, and, and specifically, <laughs> we tried that. <Yeah. laughs> And specifically, so I guess I guess what I'm gonna get to is like the activation of your community. Mm -hmm. So you've spent all these years and you've built your community. Yeah. You've been a part of your community. There's moments, hey, we'll we'll send an email out to you guys and be like, hey, come support X. You know, mm -hmm. hey, you know, we'll send an email saying, hey, please support, you know, uh, Raina and Shireen, right? But when did when what was the step for you to go do that? And how did how do you become comfortable? Like. You know, I think to, it was at having a board. Yeah. Yeah. So you set your team up for success. So we gave our board, well, our board really pushed us to be comfortable with asking, but then they're like, what do we need to be able to go and do the same? So what tools, what exact verbiage do you want us to use when we're asking for these funds? That sort of thing. And then same, like you'd use your inner circle, like, okay, Shireen, I'm looking for this amount of money. If you can't get it, this is what I need you to talk to people about, whatever. Like you set them up for success. And then just practice. We literally will be in our office like pitching to one another um, or we'll send each other draft emails like, does this sound good to send to this company for an ask? Because we're making yeah. sure like it just takes practice and really getting over that barrier of fear. Just like it has to happen. I yeah. remember one time because you said like, have you ever just like called and said, hey, can I yep. get some money? Um, there's a foundation in town that we literally did that for. Um, and we asked for a certain amount of money and we had to meet with the president of the foundation. And this was our biggest. It was like, oh, OK, we really don't know what we're talking about moment. And a lot of when you face a lot of those things, it's really to cultivate you for the next moment. Uh -huh. And you take those lessons and you learn and you know, and so we're like, yeah, we'd like a $15,000 grant or it may have been 30,000. I don't remember. I don't know which foundation you're talking about. I can't say. Okay. So we were like, <laughs> <laughs> we might want to give next year. Okay. <laughs> um, so there we were asking for something. And so he breaks it down and he's like, okay, so I need you to justify this ask. And oh, we're okay. like, all of these people, they need help and we're here to do it. And this is like the breakdown of how we want to do it. And I mean, he was basically saying that our math wasn't mathing. And so you really have to be prepared for those conversations. And, you know, I don't know what part, like what communities you all are a part of, but in my household, and I'm sure in Raina's household, asking for money was not like a conversation. And how do you present yourself to a company when you're asking them for money? Yeah. What resources do you need to come already with? Yeah. Do you need to tell them that you already have a certain amount raised? 
What are you doing with it? If they're looking for an ROI, how do I plan on giving you this money back? There was, so, and of course it sounds like easy, but then they start getting nitty gritty. No, mm -hmm. it's not. They drill. Yeah. What, what's, so what are some of the basics? So now y'all coming out of it and it, and we just went through a fundraising campaign too. What are some of the basics that you guys, uh, maybe we, I'd love to talk about this, yeah. that you guys have seen or will be necessary. Like, hey, hey, if you're ever thinking about fundraising, do you have X, Y, and Z? Because yeah. if you don't, forget it. Like, yeah. or, or go back to the lab and get to work. Yeah. Um, one question that they always ask us is, who else is funding this? Or do you have yes. any other backers that are yeah. a part of this? They yeah. want to know that their money isn't the only money on the line. That you're not banking on their so right. check. Yeah. At the time, now I remember if you were asking that, we were only banking on that <laughs> check. So he was like, okay, well, break it down. And we were like, uh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just having all of your bookkeeping, whether it's like an ask, for something that has yet to come, or if you have data to prove that this is a viable ask, show that. And like, we had all the data he yeah. was asking for, just not at our fingertips. He's like, well, where are the event numbers? Where is the data that shows you've distributed X amount of products? We had all that, just not in that meeting. Right. So just right. being really prepared with literally any and all numbers for your company. Yeah, so if it's a new idea, what is it gonna do? And what impact is it gonna have? If it's a, a like a current idea that's already out in the world, like, Come with your data, come with yeah. your information, come with your ask, be solid with your ask. Did y'all have a fundraising deck? Did y'all have to put one of those together or a one pager? We had a one oh, pager. Or, yeah. okay. And then we had a very solid email, or so we thought. And then- uh, <laughs> the, the best like email. really early on, <laughs> the best. we learned a lot. Yeah, and we, we ended did. up emailing yeah. the president after, we're like, thank you for being so hard on us. Like, we needed that as a learning lesson, so. Yeah, yeah. and now we do yoga with them. <laughs> So, hey, so, so some success. I mean, yeah, I, you know, hey, we're building yeah. a relationship here. I love that. I love yeah. that. Um, is so it now that we're going into secure and we're, we're raising this money, is um, are y'all willing to take more? Or if y'all, yeah, like yeah. what kind of so, so, so no, no, I'm curious. Like, so is the goal the, the way it works is like if y'all if y'all don't hit the 30, do y'all still accept the full amount? Or if y'all go over, you know, do y'all just continue taking? So that's also money? a good perk that I was thinking that I forgot about with iFund Women. It's not like I think Kickstarter. If you don't raise the full amount, you don't get any of the money. Right. Mm -hmm. With iFund Women, you can raise two percent and you still get it. Whatever you raised is your money. Good. They do take a percentage of it, of course. Um, and that was another thing. They really um, they iterated their business a couple times by listening to founders. At one point, they held all the funds until the end of your campaign. And so many founders are like, we literally need this to continue to run the company while we're doing this campaign. So they deposit it as you raise it. I love that. Um, okay. I forgot the question though. I did too, that's oh, why I looked at you. If it's too little or over, no. So we get the funds regardless. And if it's over, this is just the start of the Louisiana period bank. So that's gonna be something that's ongoing. Yeah. So if we raise Beautiful. over 30,000, that's completely okay because we'll need to continue this program. Okay, yeah. so now, now for the future, what is, um, that y'all can share uh -huh. the future of, oh, of PPG, of Secured. Um, yeah, like so. So, what is what does the next three years look like for y'all um, <laughs> from a vision standpoint? Yeah, y'all, well, y'all willing to share? Yeah, something we said really early on. Once we kind of figured out what Power Pump Girls was, was that we wanted to have membership across the country and just have these different pockets of Power Pump Girls groups, um, and really just having this. Like the mission and vision, yeah. you know, replicated elsewhere. It doesn't have to be exactly like here in Baton Rouge because every city can be a little different. People are different. But just having this mindset of women are better together and empowering women to connect and serve. So that was one of our ideas from the very beginning. We're not 
at that phase yet, but I would love to see that in the future, you know? Yeah. We don't we could do this forever, but that's not, you know. Right. We'd like to pass the torch so, yeah, and allow to it to course, grow. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know if that's in three to five years, though. I think we still have some runway. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, look, so one of the things I asked, um, I was uh, speaking to someone I just met. My name is Kate. I don't know where she is. She said she's moved to Baton Rouge. And my first question was, why? <laughs> why question. would you move to Baton Rouge? But, uh, but I asked everybody, why? Um, not only why do you move to Baton Rouge, but why do you stay in Baton Rouge? Mm -hmm. um, so first question, why do you stay in Baton Rouge? Wow, we Beyond, almost left last week. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm curious. Like, like of, of, all, of, all, of all the places that you could go and all the places that would be, I would say, slightly more accepting of, mm. of the initiatives you have and potentially more support from an investor standpoint, mm. why do you stay in the city? Wow. Oh, I know. Did you send us that one in the email? I did not. I <laughs> yeah, did not. not I would purpose. have thought about it. On purpose, no. Yeah. But, um, you know. Mm. Mm. I thought I had an answer. So, uh, hmm. Stephen, where's Stephen? Stephen probably has a list. God. He's like, Stephen, like, help, help, help us, Stephen. Stephen's like, I have a PowerPoint of why you should stay in Baton Rouge. Thank I made you. it. I'm, I keep it updated every week. That's um, so hard. I know, no, no, complete. I, I, I ask this because I guess the, the bigger conversation, I, I always ask this question in one way or another at the end is because we're a small town. We're small town entrepreneurs. Our entrepreneur community is not well-developed. Yeah. They're there. Yeah. yeah, They are there, but it's not well-developed. And one thing that I always, I hope to inspire a little bit of people that I don't know, or those that I do is that, is, is what can we do more? What can we do yeah. more that we can work with this community, grow this community? So if, if it's not the answer of why stay, why come? Yeah. Mm. Let's do it the other way around. Why come to Baton Rouge? I'll start. Okay. <laughs> start up, Brian. There you go. LSU. Yeah. Um, it, we, we, we have a, 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 a thriving downtown at certain periods of the day or week. I'm what screaming. No, I'm no, screaming. No, no, but, but if, you, if you come to this town, yeah. you, have, you, can have, you can be connected to any single person through one introduction. Through one introduction, you can meet anybody you want in town. Yeah, that's true. Um, and that, that's one thing for me that I see as a benefit that doesn't get, speak to, doesn't get talked about enough. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll say that because yeah. neither Raina or myself are from Baton Rouge. True. Yeah. She's from Lafayette, I'm from Shreveport, and we were able to come here and make Baton Rouge home and then create businesses in this community in a place that we were not born in, a place that we are still fairly new in. I say new, but like 10 years now. Yeah. But like we've always been bubbling underneath the radar and it wasn't difficult for us to say, hey, I have this idea or I have this dream or I have this vision. Who do I need to speak to? Yep. Who can connect me? And there was, a, there was a person that did that for me. Yep. And so if you ask me, like, why do I stay in Baton Rouge? Um, there was one particular woman who I will always, always, always give credit to. Um, she opened up a ton of doors and introduced me to a lot of people. And I vowed to do that same thing for women that came behind me. Yeah. And not even just women, but people in general. If yeah. they needed a contact, if they needed to meet with so-and-so, I wanted to be able to do those things to set them up in the same way that someone else set me up. Yeah. And so, like you said, it is very easy to do that here in Baton Rouge. Yep. Um, and I don't feel like there's... I'm not going to say it's not competitive. It's a very competitive place. But the barrier to entry is not as tough. If you have an idea, yeah. if you want to meet true. someone, yeah. if you, you know, yeah. you can do it. Yeah. Because because there, there, I'll say this, I, I think, you know, and, and y'all look, I I know this just being from, you know, I, I'm i obviously, I, I don't have an accent, but I'm from Iran. I was born in Iran, right? Yep. I, 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 you know, I went, I came from Southeastern Canaan, Baton Rouge, 
no one gave a damn about who I was, you know what I mean? Same. But what I, I think what, what I found is there's a lot of people in the city ready to be engaged with you who yeah. are also feeling what you feel. Yeah. There's a lot of people in the city. And when I met y'all, I, I felt the same way. Like, Man, y'all were, I was like, hell yeah. I was like, <laughs> hell yeah. Like, they get it. Because yeah. there's a lot of people who, like, don't get, aren't in that group, aren't yeah. in that clique yet. And then yeah. one of the first things I said here is, like, let's break those cliques. Yeah. Be ready to go to coffee. Be ready to grab lunch with other people. Yep. No matter who they are. Just, just because... Um, the future of the city depends on it, mm -hmm. okay? We can keep it the same way it is. And we can go the same slow pace. It, <laughs> it won't work out for us, you know, like yeah. in long term, right? Yeah. Um, so one of the things I, I just love what y'all are doing. I love Thank that you. we've, the mission y'all have been, um, y'all set on and I hope y'all do it for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and I really appreciate everything, okay? Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.